Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My name is Jeremy Gage, and welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast. This is an educational show involving all things tabletop role-playing industry. Listen alongside me as we hear from creators, entrepreneurs, and supporters about their personal best practices, principles, and philosophies. I encourage anyone from the budding game designer to a seasoned publisher and everyone in between to sit down with us and enjoy today's episode. Thank you for coming to the Draw Your Dice podcast. My name is Jeremy Gage, as you heard in the intro. But as always, the show is never about me. It is about who I have brought to you today. And who I brought to you today is more than one person. You know, one of them has been in constant collaboration side of the Draw Your Dice Discord and on the Tabletop Colin show. Really love having their energy here. And they brought their, you know, I have the two brains behind Arcane Atlas. I want to welcome to the show Dale Blackburn and Peter Graham. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you both for being here. As always, at the top of the show, would you two just give a brief introduction of who you are, how you present yourselves to the internet, and any links or resources that people can use to send you dollars? And Dale, I'd love to start with you. Sure thing. Yeah, I'm Dale Blackburn. I go by Dice Ghosts basically everywhere. I use he, they pronouns, and I'm one half of Arcane Atlas. I guess I'll speak for us that you can find us at uh, Atlas Arcane on uh, itch.io or on our website, arcaneatlas.games, and generally Atlas Arcane most places including. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go next to complete the, the pair of us. So yeah, I'm Peter Graham, the other half of Arcane Atlas Games. I don't really have much of an internet presence. I'm on Twitter, but it's probably easier to, to just go via the Arcane Atlas stuff because I find it all a bit stressful sometimes. Mm. I get it. Additionally, as an icebreaker for listeners, in case they are truly not privy to who either of you are, uh, starting with Peter, would you just give your brief RPG lineage? How did you get involved in playing games and what was sort of the first moment you started designing games? Oh, yeah. So I started, as with many people, with D&D. I think I started, I think a friend got me into it. We, we played DM'd a little bit, we played a campaign for a little bit, then sort of died off during university, but then started playing games when I actually started working at a job, which is where I met Dale. And I think we had we had a friend called Matt who introduced us. I think he started running a D&D campaign and then and then it sort of ballooned into other indie games. And that was really where we sort of started to try lots of different things, got the sort of tried some of the Grant Howitt games, which I think are a really good way of of kind of trying out things if you're from the D&D background. Honey Heist was the first one we played and it was an absolute blast. I still remember that first sort of session and having a really good time. And then in terms, so yeah, played a couple of indie games there. And then when it comes to creating games, it was again Dale who sort of convinced me to do it. He messaged me at one point. I think we were supposed to be working, but we're probably chatting about something completely different. And he said he'd been creating a couple of games, some 24XX games. And he talked about Carter, the, the cat, 
I think it's Cat McDonald's system, an SRD that she created in a game that he was working on and asked if I would do some art for it. And then from there, got far too invested in it and we just started creating games together. Yeah, Dale, I don't know. Oh, Jeremy, unless you've got questions for me, Dale might be worth it. No, Dale, you're next. Go for it. I mean, you, you just spoiled all the best parts. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, similar thing. Like for me, when I was quite young, <laughs> probably too young, I found a, a copy of like Werewolf the Apocalypse at like a car boot sale. And I think my parents disappeared it after a little while because it was probably a little bit too mature for me at that age. But I remember finding it and kind of... Uh, yeah, this like new concept of like creating a character right? and, you know, having all these strange, you know, esoteric numbers attached to them. And the idea of kind of getting into this role playing space was probably like my earliest thing with like tabletop. And I never got to play. You know, I got to make a character. And then, like I say, I think my parents just made it go away <laughs> at some point. And then, you know, generally a, a, a child of, of uh, imaginative play, similar to I think you've said yourself on previous shows, Jeremy, of you know, pretending to be Pokemon and Power Rangers with my friends, like when I was a, a kid. And then, yeah, similar to uh, similar to Peter, that you know, it's didn't really kind of play any RPG games until like adulthood, and you know, it was D anD D five E that uh, was like kind of the, the main entry point, and you know, coming to work at the same uh, company together. Yeah, our, our friend Matt Kaylee Burton, who uh, good friend of ours you know, definitely kind of <laughs> took us out away from that you know pop culture you know slight sensationalization of D and was like hey look there's all these indie games here and not just indie games but you know you know board game hybrids and all sorts of stuff i, I played what's it called the icarus i think the board game icarus mm-hmm. with them and uh, yeah we had a fantastic time kind of like building a world and just really fell in love with the whole storytelling like element and stuff and yeah they were entering the 24xx jam uh, and they made a couple of games and you know I, I liked the sound of it and kind of gave it a go made a few of those they were like really like intuitive ways of like making games because it's uh, if anyone hasn't seen it the 24xx srd by jason you know you kind of like uh you have some simple one-page rules character creation and then like you know a one-page like mission generation sort of thing and i just really loved like the simplicity of like how much world building and things you could do just out of tables and stuff alone. So got really into that and yeah, started looking around at other SRDs. And I think, you know, you know, Peter, you can correct me if you want, but the like the SRDs have been quite like a good way for us to kind of get into game design in in general and look at the different things that are out there. And, you know, we're very much in exploratory phase of like, you know, what, what you know, what do we like out of a game? You know, what are the different ways the same sort of things are handled? So got into the cart SSRD and, you know, contacted Peter to get some artwork and found somebody else who also, you know, loves this kind of system design stuff as, as me. And yeah, we've been making stuff together ever since and really enjoying it. Aww, <laughs> best of friends. Yeah. Love to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's what i'm glad that i'm glad that you were so easily both of you were so easily acceptable to like trying something new out was there i guess starting with dale was there any like particular itch that like D wasn't scratching for you or was it just like a general curiosity into indie games yeah i think it's an interesting one because yeah i'm a software developer in my you know kind of day job or, or web development and it's a bit of a a thing about system designs in general of just like how things kind of come come together and playing D and D as like a you know the the entry thing and that that whole setting of the expectation of what a game should be and you know like what role playing can be like you know is is it's a good introduction it was a good introduction for me certainly and you kind of start looking at things in other games of just like, oh, wow, that's a really elegant way of handling this particular concept or there's, you know, different ways of expressing that that create different experiences. And I I think I just really like the exploration of that more than I do like getting too involved in any one system, if that makes sense. Like there wasn't Mm -hmm. really like a thing where I felt like dissatisfied in any way other than there's just other ways of doing things. And and that's interesting. And yeah, kind of, maybe one day I'll, I'll form a bit more of an opinion about it. Like when I've mm-hmm. had enough kind of experience with things, but right now just enjoying seeing how, you know, they, you know, how different systems handle, you know, 
social encounters, how, how different, you know, kind of stories can be told in different formats, you know, especially, you know, recently, I think we spoke about this, you know, off of Mike, you know, before the, a few days ago, just about, you know, Legend Has It by Adam Bell, mm-hmm. you know, like how that kind of creates stories and, you know, big, we've also made a Lumen game and looking at like how, you know, Spencer Campbell has kind of like done rapid combat and stuff like that. I just find all of that sort of thing really fascinating you know like how how people kind of design certain experiences and you know how that even when you design it it can be completely different from the person consuming that thing it's i don't know it's just really interesting to me Mm -hmm. and peter do you have anything you have like a different take on that do you have anything to add to what yeah yeah it's interesting it's interesting sort of comparing thoughts i definitely i played D and enjoyed it but then it hit this point for me where it was like I wasn't having fun in some campaigns and I'm like, I was trying to pin down at the time what it was. I think when I was DMing, I was getting quite stressed out by the prep side of it. It felt like you needed Mm -hmm. to have everything prepared. And part of that comes down to personality and experience. Like I was quite new to, to running games, but also Mm -hmm. looking back on it now with a couple of indie games under my belt, it's, it's partly is the system and it does sort of nudge you towards that style of, a lot it feels like it wants you to do a lot of preparation even though a lot of the i know more experienced dms do improvise a lot more but i feel like the indie games and the more lightweight games are actually really good at pushing you to just wing it a bit uh, which often ends up with wackier scenarios and more fun kind of or the things i find most fun in in games but the other thing that with dnd that was really kind of not clicking with me is like i enjoyed the combat but it was so slow Mm-hmm. And I had I had one particularly bad experience where I think it was the first in-person session I'd done in a while. And it was like six hours and one combat happened, which is an extreme example. Like that's not most of the, that's not the only, that's, yeah, it doesn't always happen. But <laughs> it was just like so little had happened for so much time investment that when you're playing in mm-hmm. an evening or like on that day, it was particularly bad because the pizza had turned up and there was there was cheese on it and I'm vegan so like uh, it was double doubly bad but no. I, I know <laughs> but yeah it just that one experience was like this this combat system d- didn't work for me and actually now we've only fo- looked at lightweight games for so long that I think the other day we picked up a more D&D like system just to have a flick through and it was like oh my god there's there's a lot of rules here. <laughs> like it's, mm-hmm. it's like 30 pages of rules instead of something you can condense down to two pages, which I've really started to take for granted. Things, uh, mm-hmm. all the things like Black Hack or the Lumen system, where actually it's mm-hmm. it's so much quicker to just get up and running. If that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it absolutely makes sense. It's a, And, you know, I feel, you know, Umbral Dive coming to you at a store in 20, <laughs> whatever. But, you know, I feel, sim- I think for both of you, I have kind of the same, I, I kind of meet this Venn diagram where on one of the spectrum, I'm just generally curious of like, in terms of mastery for something that I like. And so when I found that there were games beyond D&D that facilitated different ways to dm or gm because i'm the forever gm of my group and or of my groups and sometimes i don't like gming uh D, but there's also only so much D can teach me about gming where if i go look at other people's you know vincent baker's like gm principles and john harper's how to be a good gm things in their books and indie card rpg and you know dungeon world has some good stuff in there and you know there are just there's so many styles and i'm just a person who, like i want to be good at the thing and make sure everyone's having a good time at the table but on the uh other end of the spectrum balls of match with peter is that it is slow it's like i think it clicked for me at being slow when i got to like over my honeymoon phase with critical role like i was watching critical role for a while and then there would be like whole three or four and a half hour episodes that was just a, a single combat. I was like, bruh, this is not <laughs> fun to watch in any degree. I mean, some people are like loving it because they're like, oh, wow, what are their builds? We can't see their character sheets. Is that a new feed? Whoa. And I'm like, ah, I get it, but I don't get it. And yeah, so it's really it's really interesting to hear both ends of those spectrums. The, and 
I hope that <laughs> you two <laughs> discovered something new about each other in this moment. <laughs> well, yeah. we actually we, we chat. We probably spend more time chatting about this kind of thing than we do designing games or marketing oh. games or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, the way we kind of currently work is we will meet up like every week or every other week, have get takeout together and just chat. And then eventually we'll start designing stuff. It's It means we have a lot of conversations about stuff like what works about this and what doesn't work about this uh, mm. sort of thing. Or in obviously in our opinion, because like D&D is, is incredible what it's achieved in many ways. I mean, obviously it's got a big publisher behind it and all that stuff, but it is incredibly popular and I've had fantastic times playing it and like I've had mm-hmm. fantastic times watching I've not watched Critical Role but things like the Dimension 20 series yeah and um Dimension 20 does it right in my opinion so yeah and Adventure Time and things like that where mm-hmm. with a with a bit of fudging the rules and with a like a bit maybe a bit of editing and with a, a more f- like it's weird because it's a bit more linear sometimes in a way you get the perception that the DM for a podcast type or an actual play type format is nudging it in a direction much more Mm-hmm. And and it's really enjoyable to mm-hmm. listen to because it's got this momentum behind it. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I know it's it's fascinating to me that I there are bits of it that I didn't pick with, but I've also had great times with it. And it's really that becomes really fun when you're then creating games because you've got you can pick and choose. And I, a lot of what we design is probably quite heavily inspired by D and D and systems like that because that's what we started playing with. And those are some of the like. Uh, the big like touch points of the media is like if you have a a sneaky class everyone's or not everyone's but a lot of people are going to think okay it's more like a rogue from D D. it becomes this this thing that you can use in your designing i don't know mm-hmm. i'm rambling a bit but, uh, but yeah no i mm-hmm. think it's fascinating that it it it's so popular and so successful and i've had fantastic times with it but also i have a lot of problems with it but i'd still de- jump at the opportunity to play it with my friends but then i oh. would i rather play as a bunch of bears stealing something in two hours <laughs> quite probably <laughs> so yeah it's uh, i find it fascinating that you can get all of this out of just writing rules in books and then people collectively telling stories which is it, it kind of boils down to just collective storytelling with a bit more structure to kind of facilitate that so yeah i find it uh, yeah fascinating yeah i mean yeah i think again coming back to that like experience thing like you know D is one manifestation of that that in in rule form right that like can be comprehended by in different ways by different people and what they're trying to get out of it and you know even using dimension 20 there as like the like that touchstone you know they are actually changing systems right they're not using D all the time anymore and mm-hmm. they are still cons- consistently good at least in my in my opinion i've really enjoyed what they've done over there and it's you know about the kind of experience they're wanting to share with each other right and the the way that people's groups form and you know they kind of enjoy certain things and, and hopefully listen to each other and get to input on that i mean forever dming is you know just that i don't know how to deal with that as a problem generally but you know in terms of like having a group that you now, we have we have a little group, for instance, you know, to, to carry on what we said earlier, where, you know, we started specifically finding indie games to go and play, right? Like one shots and stuff that were like, you know, not specifically not D&D because we were all just interested in telling interesting stories together. And we had fun when we got to kind of like forget the system a little bit, which I think a lot of people have spoken about before of just like the system getting out of the way so that you can just get on with the with the storytelling. And I, you know, I think D and D it can be very very slow. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all, mm-hmm. and I'm not not you know I'm I I haven't missed it right. That, I think that's the thing. It's like you know, I haven't played that for a very long time, and as as Peter kind of inferred, I'd love to play any game with our group of people. You know, I'd, I'd love to play any game where we get to share you know inspiration and you know, kind of tell these stories and, and not really know where they're going to land. You know, that's the bit that. Kind of, I enjoy again from that experiential point of view. And I, you know, would I pick, you know, D and D to go and do that? Probably not. You know, not mm-hmm. just because I think the system's you know slow, or, or because I, I take issue with it at all. Just because there's so many different options out there, and I'd rather not stick with one thing. Especially the whole, you know, as, as Peter again said, you know, how you could have a, a a million year campaign that you never finish, right? <laughs> and you know, kind of. Yeah. To do, almost phoning it in after a while, you know, or you could try something, you know, fun and new and 
then have some, you know, it's like going to see a film with friends or something, you know, and you're like afterwards, like the bit that I really enjoy on top of the film is actually getting to talk about it with my friends afterwards and be like, Hey, what did you think of that? Like, what, you know, what, what was the parts that you enjoy? What did you not enjoy? Like I'm interested in like the experience that we share and talking about that, you know, the sharing that experience. And I think just to add a sort of clo- I guess, a closing thought to that kind of idea, the, the bit where that comes up probably most often in our discussions about game design is a question anytime we're designing a game, which pops up is like, how long do we want this to be? Like, is this, and usually we are on the side of one shot because I think we've both got this like, well, hopefully humble-ish opinion of ourselves. And you almost, you've got to value people's time, I think. I think mm-hmm. that's, I've found this with video games a lot. Like I, I bounce off games where there's a lot of grinding to kind of, or it takes a lot of time investment to get to a reward. Sometimes that's satisfying, mm-hmm. but often if it feels like it's wasting your time, when you start to be, well, as adults with jobs and lives and things, you've only got... A, a fraction of your time available for playing games and spending that time with your friend. Are you all right, Dale? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're okay. no, that's right. But uh, yeah, so you've only got a fraction of time available to spend with your friends. So I don't, it, it, feel, it feels like it takes a lot of confidence to say, I want people to spend multiple sessions on this experience I've created. And I've mm-hmm. got a lot of respect for people that can do that. Like things like Wonder Home, I love the idea of this multi-session thing where you hit this point where you retire a character and that becomes this big mm-hmm. overarching story that you can relate back to and it takes time to grow up, kind of experience that. But the way we play games, I really like one-shots because I can play mm-hmm. it, have a great time, talk about it, and then we can have a completely different experience with minimal prep by just picking up a different zine or a different system so yeah i think for where that ties back to game design for me is very much the like when i'm building a game it's like or we're working on something together it's like how long how long do we want people to invest in this and yeah that's just my my thoughts (laughs) yeah i agree from as i'm like building out rumble dive i think all the time about like what is the convert what is the convention version of of an interacting with this game right you're not going to get to i think like you've mentioned both of you have said in some degree that D&D kind of requires you to think about the long novel, like epic, the travel to Mordor sort of design of a campaign. And, you know, it kind of, it could have like the potato chip effect where you play your first level one session at a convention. And you're like, what happens next? And then that could sort of be the thing. But I do agree that in some regard, getting adults together for anywhere of one to four hours or more in a day or throughout the week with everything they have to do is under capitalism is tough. And I know that in some of my research in very light in Japan, a lot of the games, uh, a lot of the modern games like Double Cross and what is it called? Buso, Buso Tension, something, uh, they're designed like they have very handholdy scene offerings. Like you, you have the two person scene and then you have the teamwork scene and then you have the battle scene and then your session is done. So it's all like these simple role systems and it's so that they can play like within an hour or two at the max because they have so much going on in their work life balance. So I found that really fascinating and yeah, so let's, Let's sort of transition, get into a little game talk of how you are executing all of those ideas in, now I've had the opportunity to play this, but let's talk about Rivals for a second. Dale, would you want to kick us off with Rivals since, you know, we did a play test of it the other week? Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, thank you very much again for playing that with me. (laughs) I had a lot of fun. Yeah, so again, like, I guess... Well, I could talk about the experiential thing, but the first thing I should say is, that, you know, it's based off of an SRD, the Visa Vs by Maxwell Lander, who also made a Visa Visage using the same system and very, very similar games. You should definitely go check it out if you're a fan of Face Off, because that seems to be the, the theme of it. But yeah, this kind of idea of using like PvP style mechanics to emulate the tension that you would see in some sort of cinematic uh medium you know like you know the 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 foil and the hero kind of at odds with each other and it's it's quite an interesting like concept of like taking yeah like a pvp based style mechanic where you are kind of 
trying to outdo the other person that you're working with, but kind of completely removing the idea that you are actually in competition, really, and and using it more of a you know a way of kind of introducing beats to the story that you're trying to tell. I should probably say what the game is actually about. It's rivals is about you know two players get to sit down together and create a rivalry. This can be any kind of rivalry. You could be you know two warriors fated against each other. You could be race car drivers. You could be on a cooking show and trying to outcook the other one. You know it can kind of be any sort of thing. And it's a game where you establish kind of what kind of resources that you have available to you as that character. You establish the setting and kind of the kind of medium res like focal view of the game is you were at that kind of penultimate showdown with your rival and this is it you know this is what it's all been kind of leading up to so it, it, quite a lot of that is about like yeah what you know catering for that very specific narrative of like you know we've reached peak tension in our story and now we're gonna kind of discover our world and what led up to this and, and who even our characters are together as like a two-player activity where you get to you know, collaboratively storytell with one other person and again going back to what i said earlier it's kind of that same sort of thing of using you know movies as that example of like you know what talking about it and kind of you know sharing those references and, and sharing your thoughts and stuff but in this respect you're kind of using the different media touchstones and and different ideas and concepts and you know basically creating a scaffold for you to have that conversation with that person and see if they vibe with that and if they that inspires them and you know hopefully setting off a bit of a, a chain reaction where you're bouncing off of each other in the story and, and you know you're kind of getting into the groove of creating a, a fun and cinematic epic showdown between between two characters Hopefully that wasn't too tangential. <laughs> no, not at all. And very cinematic it was, it was. Uh, in my experience. So I loved it. Kicking kicking the can to Peter, what was sort of the why? Why Rivals? Like how did it, how did it come? Were you just very inspired by vis-a-vis or was there sort of like an underlying thought that caused the creation of this particular game? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not. Uh, to be honest, with Rivals, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> it's it's one of our projects which has a sort of like murkier backstory. So ultimately, Dale is the one that very much like turned it from a nugget of an idea into something tangent, uh, something tangible. I think mm-hmm. we'd had we'd had a couple of conversations at various points across sort of like our general weekly meetings where we we talked about the idea of like capturing that showdown moment we talked about whether you could do a game which was literally like a second long so you spent the whole session just playing that final second in a battle or something mm. we couldn't work out how to make that happen we, we talked about wanting to have sort of more meaningful choices we talked about how some of our favorite bits with rpgs are where the players can just be creative with the language and their ideas mm. and i think so to elaborate on that last one, it was things like when you're given, if your character's given an ability and it's like, I don't know, a big metal, like an iron fist. One of our other games is about robots, which is why that sprung to mind. <laughs> but if you've got an iron fist and that might have an ability text, which is like, I don't, like you can, like, I don't know, does two harm or something to an enemy robot. But actually like the fun in tabletop RPGs, which for me separates them from video games is that's not like a hard and fast rule. You can you can riff on that and you can be like, oh, well, I've got this giant metal fist. That means I can punch through a wall really easily, right? And as a group, you can agree and go, that's great. So a lot of rivals is pretty open-ended. You've got things called resources that have a mechanical benefit and will give you like an extra dice and a roll. But actually what those resources are is entirely up to you in terms of what you think fits and is for you to weave them into the story, which I think is what people do anyway when they play tabletop rpgs but here it seems i think what we try to do here is actually make that kind of part of the rules is that creative freedom and that Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's really the important part for me when it comes to to designing these sorts of tabletop rpgs is that blend of you want rules and mechanics to sort of support stuff but actually the fun bit for for us at least is the creativity and kind of riffing on the ideas of other people and bouncing off each other. And then the other mm. thing for Rivals was we wanted to make a two-player game. That's the kind of... We played quite a few two-player games before we started and even after we started making games. It's quite easy to schedule time in just with one other person, even if 
or if someone else doesn't show up. And that means you've got to come up, you've got to be, it kind of means you've got to be a bit more creative because you can't, mm-hmm. you could say that one player is the, the game master or the DM or the GM or whatever, but you, it's more fun to sort of, we really lean more towards the kind of GM-less or GM-full type games, I think of the phrases for it, where everyone's got a bit of narrative control about the setting or what happens and you bounce between each other. So kind of a culmination of all of those different aspects became this game i think uh, about a showdown and then it just so happened that the vis a vis is that how you say it <laughs> vis srd came out at about the same time and i think might have had a jam on and dale sort of just i think on discord sent me the an initial pdf version of it one day and we kind of went from there yeah, no, just to chime in on that as well. I think it, it very much was just like, uh, you know, the culmination of those conversations that we've been having and being like, oh, here's a thing. I can attach all those kind of ideas that we like had with that. And and to get again, to go into kind of what Peter was saying there, like we, before we started playing, you know, making games, we had been playing a Iron Swan Starforged game together where it was just the two of us. And I really liked the way that you kind of set up the like world building scenario together at the beginning and how easy that made actually like riffing off of ideas and kind of like you know narratively justifying things in your universe and your collective story and stuff like that so like you know was also wanting to kind of emulate that experience and you know Aegon was another similar like thing as well of like having these I mean that's a little bit more about the declarative dice but again like taking on that view of you able to kind of have some set of structure but giving that you know half the half of this game is actually in the setup right that is the game is the setup as well as the mm-hmm. actual kind of like combat loop thing that comes in later on you know and and that's something i really wanted to like stress with the game that you know it's actually about coming up with the stuff in the first place and then playing it out is like the the bit you get to do after you've had a little bit of you know the juice in there yeah that was a great great point actually we'd had loads of conversations as well about the joy, part of the, half the joy of one shots is the fact that you can create a completely fresh character and then play out that scenario. And then if you play another one shot next week, you get to go through character creation again, which is just a really fun and satisfying creative exercise. So yeah, that's definitely fair. It's, it's definitely not been like a clean, carefully planned <laughs> process. We're still, we're quite, we're relatively new to this in the sense that I think we started April last year. So yeah. even though we, technically now have a business which is very scary it, we're i know woo, <laughs> after five attempts of filling in the right forms we've we're still yeah we don't really have a plan yet we're kind of doing it because we're enjoying it and we're trying to remember that i think remind ourselves periodically that that's why we're we're doing it to have fun which is a luxury in many ways but we are mainly doing it to have fun so yeah it's a very snaky process and there's there's also been i'm sure there's been like one or two other side projects that have popped up so this is kind of percolated for a while as an idea and is now kind of yeah getting to a place where it, we're pretty pleased with it it's also probably our most playtested game to date i think our lesson <laughs> from earlier games has very much been playtesting is invaluable mm-hmm. and it is always worth the time to do it early even though it feels sometimes you get too focused on designing a game and like i don't know making some art when actually you need to check if it's fun <laughs> and, uh, yeah there's a lot of stuff there <laughs> so much so much there first of all Aegon, you and iron sworn you just had me think of an idea where you find a, a buddy and you have a versus iron sworn game you both play mm-hmm. solo versions and you just kick back rumors about your games to each other so you know that for free. <laughs> well, that, actually, that's a Hy- Hyper City is actually that I believe, oh, yeah. which does. Yeah, you know, I've also been thinking about that thing of you know how do you kind of create a world together and exist in the same world without actually coming into contact with each other necessarily. That is a very cool that's idea. Interesting. So the game's almost more about telling each other stories about your game. Yeah, that's cool. That's very meta. I love it. Yeah. Hyper meta, uh, and that's Hyper City RPG by Thomas Manuel, I believe. It is. But yeah, for, you know, yesterday, yesterday, two days ago, maybe two days ago, (laughs) I put out a tweet about contested roles. People had emotions about in lots of different ways. Their big touch point is D&D, athletics check stuff, whatever have you. 
I really liked playing the one-on-one with Dale in a contested role where it was understood that the, the game is a player like as a present player in the system, like it's having a say in what's going on. I, I feel like in D and D people want a lot of control over like what their character is doing or the story that they're telling. And they don't really consider like the game an offerer of the situation where instead when I was playing rivals, it's like, Oh, I failed these roles or I succeeded these roles. And this is just kind of how this last battle is panning out. And I think that was just sort of an understood thing between me and Dale, but some of the uh, additional tech that I really loved about the game is the split up mechanic that you have. So for anyone who's not privy or hasn't seen it yet, the game rivals when you, there's a bunch of other phases and turns inside of what I'm about to say, but to vacuum in on these two things, there's an attack phase and a defend phase of rolling. And in the attack phase, you get to start with a single D6, and then you can use either your adversaries, the other players' tells or goals or weaknesses to add dice to your pool, or you can use your personal resources one time to add D6 to the pool as well. And then you can split up those things. You can say, oh, I'm using these two resources plus my single dice, and I'm doing three different attacks that have different results or you could combine them together and do one big attack that maybe your the defender can't overcome and then the defender has those same options where they can roll and put a bunch of dice towards a single attack or split them up amongst many attacks and i think that's like the key component to a contested role that i think people were having issues with when it came to D&D. In D&D, there's not really a way to manipulate the dice after after the fact, except for like the luck feat or being a halfling or something like that. Or mm. uh, what's the other one? Divination wizard. God, I know a lot about D&D. But there's no like after the fact rolling manipulation, which I think can really soften the blow in sort of like a pass-fail contested role system. Was that something that you added like closer to this current design or was that something you thought about upon initial design and this one i'll offer up to either of you and sort of you can fight on the internet <laughs> about who wants to talk about it Ooh, uh, roll your dice peter i've got i've got some thoughts so i think cool. that's i think that system might actually be part of the vis-a-vis srd Dell oh. would have to confirm that i've not read it so. no no it's not no okay. no it's uh, there's in the in the srd there's a bunch of suggested mechanics that are there but th- these are actually some of the tweaks that I made to it specifically about the splitting the the attacks and also the um, flashback mechanic, which I oh. imagine we'll speak about in a minute. But cool. yeah, the, the the base concept is there, but it's um, tweaked a little bit from the SRD. So in that case, we could take full credit, which is great. But <laughs> where I think it came <laughs> from then is we've had quite a lot of conversations. So the first game we made was submerged on this the Carter system, and part of this game grid of cards, and you're moving your this, the, yourself around this grid of cards and as you move it like reveals a prompt and we had a lot of chats about it and it's we've really enjoyed playing it but it was we realized you don't actually have any you're not making any meaningful choices as a player and a lot of our discussions kind of came keep coming back to are you making me like when you have a mechanic does it allow you as a player to make a meaningful choice luck's an important mm-hmm. part but are you actually making a meaningful choice so if it was just a head-to-head dice system and you sort of see how it plays out that's just introducing a bit of luck but because you can split up the dice pools it i've i've not done the maths on it but i feel it feels like it gives you an element of control of the luck which i think is quite important and the Mm -hmm. other side of it is because it's a, a one because it's a one shot and because the goal of the game is much more about the narrative in my opinion, at least, Dell can obviously chip in because he's be very much developed this. But because the the goal of the game is an interesting story, and you, your character is essentially thrower, you don't really mind if you you get invested enough in them to want them to win. But like it's it's cool if they lose. Like that's an interesting story. It's not like there's a huge stakes that just come down to luck. So you've got this good mix of you have elements of meaningful choice, and you feel like you're in some control and can influence the luck a little bit but also 
even if you lose, it's still fun, which I think I've heard other people talk about on this podcast and is a really important like factor for us and I think for TTRPGs in general. Like losing should be that fail forward idea is really or fail fun idea is really important mm. and keeps it interesting as well. But Dale, I don't know if you've got to add to that. Yeah. Well, actually, quick point of order, actually, because I hurt myself in my own confusion. But actually, <laughs> to give the credit where it's due, <laughs> Max Orlander did introduce the like you know splitting of different uh, your pool into different actions. The bit that I tweaked was one: this being about a combat, so it's about like a, an actual exchange rather than an overall narrative thing. And two was actually the allocation of the defense dice afterwards that you could kind of assign them to be for any attack. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, again, to speak consciously of that experience kind of design a little bit is that, you know, the attacker kind of has a lot of like autonomy over what's happening. You know, if you're playing the attacker in the round, you get to kind of pick how many resources you want and make as many attacks as you. And that's something that, you know, kind of restricts the defender, you know, kind of they have to go and spend their resources to have enough dice to beat multiple attacks, for instance, right? You haven't got as much on there. So one of the main tweaks that made there is that, you know, the, the attacker has to declare their intents and roll their dice to begin with, that kind of semi gets locked in, although it can be adjusted in the narrative, but the results are, the, are locked in. Uh, whereas the defender gets to roll and then allocate to like wh- what they want to do with those roles after the fact as well. So just a bit of clarification. Maxwell, great designer. You should definitely check out their stuff. But you know, for, for me, it was a lot more about like the narrative consequence and exactly what Peter was just saying. Like, I think uh, I definitely found this when we were playing the other week, Jeremy, is that you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes there's that bit of you that wants to do the math being like, they could only have like three more resources left, right? Like I can go and like totally like push for the win here or whatever. But, and that's a natural instinct. So I think you get when you are rolling <laughs> against somebody, but like really it, the, the emphasis is actually, you know what, I'm actually happy to lose in this because this will be a really cool scene right now. It's actually good <laughs> that that happens, right? Because I really want to, Especially like the fact that this doesn't have to be a, you know, a violence based thing, right? This doesn't have to be like combat. This could be like a, a battle of wits. It could be a, a cook off, as I mentioned earlier, or a race or something, right? It's like, it's more about making a cool story and having something else. I think you said it earlier, like the game be a player and kind of have that resolution taken out of your hands a little bit, like in terms of just inspiring what you're going to do. And I think, again mention name dropping iron swan again here like that's something that i really love about that system and wanted to bring consciously over to here is that do you know what? like if you roll bad that's fine it's just going to be a much more interesting story than the one when you win all the time <laughs> you know that's mm-hmm. the the narrative that i think is much agreeable because you're, you're also playing with another character right sorry another player like and you don't want to be you know, it, it's not actually fun to, I, I don't think, in this sort of storytelling game to be like, I'm just going to, my player's just going to be successful all the time, you know, because you know, that means that the other person is like detracting from their experience a little bit. And it's nice that you, you get to like kind of have the gamble of like, do I want to go for this big attack and almost guarantee the, the win, but like, you know, maybe not stretch my resources as much as I'd like to or, or not get multiple attacks in, or do I take that risk? and roll these dice but then you know the defender now has the ability to kind of have smaller dice to beat you know which means they can roll fewer resources and still overcome quite a lot so a lot of thought kind of after the initial kind of pass of going through the system and seeing how we could get that to work was about how do we make it so that both both roles feel fun you know when you're defending you aren't just like responding to that character you actually get to be a little bit inventive with what you're doing and you know maybe you won't even block all the attacks right maybe you'll just like mm-hmm. take those attacks and you're responding kind or completely ignore them altogether. and i like the idea of like de-emphasizing the competitiveness of a pvp game while at the same time it being a pvp game mm-hmm. yeah there i was talking with a friend i play in a volleyball league And I was talking to a friend about like some just mixed expectations that was coming from me in terms of like what we were doing on the court. And I was trying to figure out like, we've been, we've lost most of our games, lost most of our sets. We're playing like a beginner's league. And I was like, what is making me, what is making me upset about this? And I think at first I thought I was like, oh, is it because I want to win real bad? Because winning is fun. Winning can be fun for, for people. But ultimately what it boiled down to is there wasn't an even exchange because when we were losing, we were losing by like 
10 or 11 points. Like there are just times where we were just not playing the game. And I think that can be not fun for both sides, even if the other side is winning, because like you have six people on the court on both sides. So 12 people total. And really the only ones who are playing are the servers. So it was just, it's this interesting thing about your game. Why I bring this up is that you have this ability to make, (laughs) to make the cinematic fight as close as you want it to, right? Like you can still have that urge to win and overcome and have your character be the victor. But I think there's, you know, like you said, there's this natural inc- inclination to be sort of competitive in a PvP game. But because it's also a storytelling environment and you're playing intimately with a single other person, instead of like a team versus or something like that, you kind of like kind of choose to either pull your punches or push a little bit more. And there's this give and take of like making it as razor thin as possible. And I think that speaks a lot to the credit of the of the dice allocation mechanics. I think that's like the big one. I think that's a mechanic that's not explored too much in, especially like skirmish style games or like combat style games, like being able to allocate or adjust after the fact. And I definitely would love to see more games with that, but also B having that control and saying like, Oh, you know what? It would be really interesting if I got hit by your giant mech blast. So yeah, I'm gonna let that happen, and I, you know, I still have wiggle room to play around with my resolve points that I need. But yeah, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a credit to that dice allocation and that intent of like just letting people have control. But the game, like you said, Iron Sworn sort of like delivers the divination of like here, here are your opportunities, right? Like in the scenario, the world has had its say. Now you can, now these are your choices or decisions to make about where the placement of these dice go. And I think that's really important, especially in the contested role system. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. And, and I think that's, you know, to, to go a little bit more about the mechanics there, that's, that's kind of where I brought the flashback mechanic thing in as mm-hmm. well. That, yeah, I, I was deeply channeling a kind of dramatic, kind of high emotional anime like mm-hmm. battles where, you know, there's where you don't succeed right very well. And again, like wanting to make that like a fun experience. Yeah, and there's a rule in this game that uh, if you're the defender in the round and the attacker manages to get all of their hits through and you don't defend any of them before your turn as the attacker, because that's part of the game loop, you get to, if you want to, explore kind of an element of their backstory you know whether it be like a memory or an important lesson they learned or you know just remembering their friends and why they're kind of in this you know conflict together yeah exactly (laughs) you need that friendship to 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 fight through and like yeah using that as a way of being like hey we're actually going to take a little second out of this battle and find out a little bit more about your character and and kind of shine the light on the kind of quote unquote failure of that round, right? Like you may not have like succeeded, but now you get to do something cool and character developy. And then you know, once you're done with that, you get to have an extra dice in your next pool for free because you've kind of like found that resolve inside yourself to keep on fighting. Like you've re reattuned to the meaning or purpose of of your uh, whatever your goal is. And like I I really I'm quite proud of that particular little loop. I think it feels very good to reward you for taking, you know, for, for, for kind of embracing the fact that you didn't do very well that last round in the combat, in the narrative, right? That that's, that's okay. And that person got to take those attacks, but now you get to, you know, how do they feel about that? <laughs> you know, like what is, what is that? What is the actual consequence of that rather than, because it's very easy for this sort of game to turn into just like a slugging match, right? Where it's just like, and now it's my turn to attack you. And, and, and you've got to kind of have, meaning for that to matter to those people that are playing and like that's where i think the magic happens where kind of meaning like manifests itself out of like the different things that you set up like the ideas you have about your character and how they would respond to the other one and the scenario that the game's outlying for you and i i just love having all of those ingredients to kind of uh you know bake your story with to to add to that i, I think mm-hmm. mechanic for, i i love the flashbacks from like a, that that moment in the film where like they're down on their knees or whatever and then they just like flashes back and then they get the like <laughs> power to continue kind of thing narratively it works really well but also mechanically it works kind of well because it's a little bit like the sort of mario kart blue shell kind mm-hmm, of effect mm-hmm. or it's like a, it's a catch up mechanic essentially if you're if you're really struggling and you fail to block any attacks you get 
a little mechanical boost just to like help you out. So it works narratively, but also mechanically, it's got pretty solid foundations of the game doesn't, the game is quite, sort of balances itself out a little bit. If you're, if you're doing very well, the defender gets a little bit of help to kind of like catch up. And actually as an attacker, if you've expended all your resources, there's a, there's a finite amount of resources. I think you only get like five or six or something. So if you use loads, it'll feel like you're ahead, but actually you're not going to snowball like you might in a in a strategy game. I've played too many video games. That's where most of my references yeah. come yeah, yeah, yeah. from. But a lot of strategy games, if you if you take the lead, essentially, that allows you to access more resources and kind of keep piling on the pressure until you become unstoppable, this idea of a snowballing scenario. But in this case, you've you've used your resources and that doesn't allow you to gain more. So it'll sort of, it's odds wise, it'll probably balance itself out. So yeah, it's got this nice combination of like narratively it balances out and comes creates these really cool moments, but also mechanically, it kind of balances itself pretty well. By well, not by accident, hopefully by design. But it, it, <laughs> well, I, I don't know if we consciously chose it to do that, but the, if that or if that's just baked into the sort of SRD. But it it feels really good. It, the battles from the playtests that I've heard about often come down to like a really tense conclusion which I think is that sort of balancing at play. And it's really satisfying. It's really fun. Yeah, I should say, to clarify that, because so, we haven't actually explained like how like, what the win state of this game is, that like you know the, each player has got a, a clock, which by default is six, but they can kind of define what they are, and they kind of divide this circle up into segments. And for every successful attack that they make, they get to fill in one of those segments. So it's a race to see who can fill up their resolve clock the fastest so again when it comes to catching up you get that ability that once you've used all your resources once both players have used their finite resources it comes down to just a, a blow for blow exchange but then it increases the chances of you actually having one of those flashbacks which might not have happened when you were more flush of resources to kind of have at your disposal to counteract different things so yeah i think it kind of like it does funnel you into this state of like you've used all your resources you probably had some fun hopefully you've had some fun narrative exchanges in the in the game and now you have like this you know, all you have is what's within you <laughs> to kind of like beat the beat your rival and kind of and go for that win and by that point you should you know for a game with like six segments you should be like reaching that conclusion anyway so i think it, it, yeah, it does kind of was a slightly conscious, happy accident <laughs> thinking about it, <laughs> where uh, you know it kind of it, it worked out pretty well, and I can justify it now after the fact. But I don't know if that was a conscious thought or if that was just something that happened and just happened to be good. To be honest, <laughs> also is yeah again the value of playtesting, like the, mm. some of these little extra mechanics, like the dice splitting thing and simplifying that a little bit. Part of that's come out of playtesting, and without the without properly playtesting it and trying it, we wouldn't have it wouldn't have been quite as, I don't know, narratively satisfying. There'd be little, like, bits missing. So, yeah, playtesting is important. So I think to round out the show here, how has it been collaborating? Like, doing doing this sort of, like, style of collaboration and making these duet games, were there any, you know trials by fire you two were experiencing or has it just been a really nice like resonant partnership who wants to be i don't mind going first so oh i don't think there's been any trials by fire i don't think it's been like completely smooth it's the hard thing for me has been scenarios where we've had different amounts of time free particularly mm-hmm. i don't want to don't want to bring up covid too much i think we've all heard plenty about it but particularly if someone's like isolating or something then suddenly they've got 10 days where maybe they've got time and energy where they can invest on side projects because they've not got much else that they can do and if someone else isn't in that headspace and is working and only has like one or two hours uh to dedicate to games it can be quite tough getting that balance right and not letting it feel sort of like, I don't know, stressful. You've got to be, a lot of it's worked, I think, because we're very close friends and can be quite honest with each other and say like, look, I can't think about this right now. So I think that's really Mm -hmm. 
So collaboration is tough in that regard, where you can't necessarily always put in an equal amount of effort. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's trying to it's it's trying to keep it fun because it can, particularly if we try. Well, we had a whole conversation today about like what are our goals? Because if our goal is to make money, then it becomes more like work, and you start to treat it quite differently and need to invest a different amount of time. Whereas if your goal, which is a, a privilege to be able to say that a goal of this is just to enjoy ourselves rather than to rely on it. But if our goal is to enjoy ourselves rather than rely on it, then that gives us a lot more freedom and we maybe shouldn't be taking on projects that we think are going to be a lot of work. But also, mm-hmm. we don't play as many games as we used to because we're now designing games. So we need to try and like make time to play games. So yeah, it's, it's been an absolute blast and I definitely wouldn't change it. But it has thrown up a lot of questions, I think, about like what do we actually want to get out of this? And like, how do you give feedback to your friend and things like that? So yeah, it's been mm-hmm. a very interesting journey, I think, from my perspective. Dale, I don't know, well, if you've got anything else or different or your own thoughts. It's been a very terrible experience. No, um, <laughs> the, the, it's, uh, no it's exactly the same. I think it's very fortunate to be able to be in a financial situation to be able to do this as a hobby, you know, as I know there's a lot of people who are, you know, doing this as their full-time gig and like, you want to make sure to respect the value that they are putting in and taking out of like this, this industry that we're, we've kind of come into, but you know, really much of this is about like us enjoying having these sort of conversations, enjoying, you know, trying these different experiences and, and trying to, to have fun while also engaging in the conversation with people, right? Like I'm fairly active in, you know, various discords and, you know, on the Twitch streams and stuff. Like, and I really enjoy talking to people about what they're doing and kind of like getting to sometimes be a bit of a fly on the wall with like, you know, it's, it's just listening to see how people think about that sort of stuff. And one of the interesting things about having like a collaboration with someone is just the level of, ideation you can have because you know a lot of people you know like spencer campbell does his streams and 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 tony plus one xp like you know does all those sort of showcase sorts of things and it's really great seeing how people how their ideas kind of mix and and mesh and you know how they kind of are quite happy to to share their ideas and things and having somebody where i can just go and do that at a drop of a hat is kind of well when when our calendars align is Mm -hmm. like really a lovely thing to to be able to do you know to just talk about stuff as as peter said earlier where we you know might, if, we, if we remember to go and actually design our game in an evening because we haven't got lost in talking about them you know then yeah it's quite it's quite good because you know we are able to you know have those kind of like references and you know even with rivals like being able to kind of collect our conversations over time of a little bits of experience design almost like different things that we're interested in like cultivating and be like hey what about this and trying that out and being able to have a quick conversation with someone you know a lot of people go do streams and things like that so that just so they can say it out loud right and i've got someone that i can call up and be like hey <laughs> i was up late last night and made this this thing what do you think of it you know and immediately get that kind of feedback and conversation is such a, a privilege and you know having Peter just being my friend is is obviously a, a, a lovely experience to be able to like hey you know, we both enjoy this this hobby and we get to talk about it and I trust and value your opinion about this stuff I definitely think that you know Peter balances me out a little bit where I I, I definitely get very enthusiastic about whatever it is that I'm working on and, and asks a lot of very grounding questions about things like what is this <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> which is <laughs> which is quite good but uh, you know also just in terms of the logistics of things like our first game that we did Carter I kind of you know I read through the through the system and kind of put a game together and then you know asked Peter to come in for the art and yeah he, he went away and, and did some fantastic art for it and then, you know, in the course of doing so, we talked about the game and like about the mechanics and kind of naturally evolved into kind of, oh, that's, you know, doing an editing pass and you know, maybe tweak this mechanic here. And it's nice that we can continue that kind of thing of, you know, splitting up the roles and kind of like, you know, delegating different things. To, you know, so you know, I, I might go work on, you know, doing some art research or, or working on this mechanic and, you know, maybe he'll, he'll go and look at like, you know, divi- divining a setting or, you know, kind of. 
it's just nice being able to like mix it up a little bit and be able to have somebody there to be like, Hey, do you, do you want to take, which bit do you want to work on? I'll work on whatever you don't want to work on right now or what mm-hmm. you're not feeling. Yeah. And that's been really good in terms of, especially when we, it gets to the point where we're like, we need to finish this game. <laughs> and so we've got like, <laughs> we've got a bunch of stuff that we need to do and being able to be like, it's not just me is again, something that I feel very lucky to have peter and be able to go hey we need you know we need to finish this there's the deadline for this jam is coming up and you know would you mind taking a look at that rather than it being like oh, oh no <laughs> i'm on my own i've got all these things to do and, and a deadline there so you know it's it's great being able to share the experience and the conversation but also you know work on that stuff and kind of uh, divide up the tasks and and you know try out different things like try out you know peter's doing new layout for one of our, our lumen game automata at the moment and been you know changing it some of the some of the rules that we've agreed through like play testing and stuff and it's been really nice because i did the original layout and did the original rules to like go through that pass and have that conversation and have somebody else take a different perspective of the same kind of thing that we were talking about it felt similar to this conversation really where we're saying very similar things but you know it's it's, in, it's great to hear it in a different voice you know with a different mm-hmm. perspective well, I think with that beautiful description of this partnership, <laughs> um, no, I think I think really just to sort of put a, a bow on that is it's, you know, anyone can design a game by themselves for sure. I don't want to question anyone's ability to do so, but I do think that teamwork, collaboration, doing the thing that humans are sort of meant to do, which are which is to be a social creature. I think this is just a testament to what you can achieve when you're not doing something just by yourself and sort of having someone to a ground you or B having someone that can really get hyped up on an idea and take it to its outermost limits. I think both of those visions are valuable and, you know, I'm, I'm, experiencing that more and more every day myself. So I hope that the thing that people can take away who are listening to this is like, there's got to be a friend out there who loves the shit that you love. So go say hello, shake a hand, give a hug. Well, social distance hug, online hug, I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, meet someone, meet someone, they're out there. It's like, you know, there are a thousand soulmates in the world. There's so many people, so many opportunities. Yeah, that's lovely. Cool. Well, I think that's going to bring us to the top of the show here. Dale, Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Would you just once more, starting with Peter this time, give a brief outro of who you are, where people can find you and your stuff. All of these links that they are both going to provide will be down in the show notes for your access. Yeah, well, thank you very much for the space this evening, Jeremy. I'm Peter Graham. I'm half of Arcane Atlas Games, designing games with Dale. I can't remember our links, so I'm going to hand us over to Dale, <laughs> if that's all right. <laughs> Dale, take it away. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm my I'm Dale. I'm Dice Ghosts Online. If any if you do have a cool game that you are working on and you want to talk about it, feel free to reach out. I would love to talk to you. But yeah, you can find our games at Arcane Atlas Arcane on itch or Twitter. And ArcaneAtlas.games is our website, which also has our links and a little bit about us on there. So yeah, feel free to check out any of those. Amazing. Well, Thank you everyone for joining us today. I hope you had a great time because I learned a lot listening to Dale and Peter and I hope you did too. And we'll catch you next time. Say bye to the people, Peter and Dale. Bye people. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hey there, listeners. Thank you very much for taking the time to sit down and hang out with Dale, Peter, and I. We really appreciate it. You can find links and resources down below in the show notes for getting in touch with Dale or Peter and other content with similar topics. Support Jeremy and the DYD podcast by reviewing the show or joining the community Discord server. Additionally, you can get ad-free early releases of episodes by donating to the DYD Patreon at patreon.com slash dydpodcast. Thanks again for listening. And remember that design is a marathon, so enjoy the journey and have a great day.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.